Welcome, everybody. This is the Concrete Conservative with Mac on the Rock and yours truly, Ed Vidal, who's been on a hiatus all over the nation. Meanwhile, well, did you know that the Taliban deal, peace deal, is dead? Well, I think uh, a peace deal with those guys is pretty un- uh, unlikely to happen anyway. But uh, anyway, I'm so glad tell to be me back what, here. Wait a minute. Time out. Tell me what you did on your summer vacation uh, like a grade school kid since I'm a big-time okay, well, school advocate. Well, first of all, we went out to San Francisco for a wedding. That means that you're a communist. No, no. It was a, a very nice Jewish wedding, but it was a conservative Jewish wedding. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so it like was— Like 1.1%? Well, it was a very uh, serious. I think they took their wedding vows seriously. So because they're conservative, good. or because they were Jewish, they were con- they were Jewish, Jewish Christian, uh, Judeo Christian, <laughs> conservative Jewish. So they took their vows seriously. We've seen other cases where they were not taken so seriously. Okay, Both man and Jewish. a man, woman and a man, heterosexual. No, this was uh, a man and a woman. Yeah. Wow. The the, the traditional. Marriage. Yeah, the traditional one. Yeah, this was unusual. In San Francisco, that's unusual. No, no, it was in uh, Westlake Village, just north of Los Angeles. But then the the highlight of that was that um, on Monday there was a breakfast because it was Jewish wedding, so they had it on Sunday. And so we had, we went to the breakfast, and 20 minutes away was the Reagan uh, Library. Not the Reagan Ranch, the Reagan Library. So I said... Was it actually a library, or is it like Obama's... Uh, no, no, no. This is a real library. Every president, going back to uh, probably Herbert Hoover, but he's got the Hoover Institution, too. Every president has a presidential library run by the National Administration of Record Archives and Records. So this is every president except Barack Obama who is well, not only has school menus. He his... just has uh yeah his uh, it's just yeah. he doesn't want a record of what he did in his administration. The uh, Barack Obama Because it would be it. like a, just a plethora the of Obama evidence. police state. Yes. But so anyway, Reagan has a library and a uh, a museum. It's a, both a library and a museum and we went to it and I said before I went, I told uh, one of the people at the at the Jewish breakfast after the wedding. No, you that, have to say the Jewish conservative wedding in well, San Francisco. Well, this wasn't conservative. This was a Jewish, uh, very uh, accomplished Jewish lawyer in the West Coast. And I said to him, "Hey, I'm gonna we're gonna go to the Reagan Library. It's only 20 minutes away, and uh, and I, I'm waiting. I want to see the, the the exhibit that I most want to see." is a speech in Germany at the Brandenburg Gate where he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear tear down down this this wall. wall. And he said, yeah, you know, Reagan wanted to tear down the wall, and then this President Trump wants to build a wall with Mexico. And so... So what was was the snarky comment? It's just that if you can't tell the difference between the Berlin Wall and a wall to protect America from illegal immigrants, then you have no moral... Standing and no moral basis or no. Okay, moral that leads me to believe that you don't think, or you do think, that the thousand gallons of gas they found in a Georgian uh, parking lot today was uh, what two Georgian things. parking lot? Yeah, there was a, a parking lot in Georgia, right? Like multi-level parking lot in downtown. I believe it was downtown. I don't know if it's uh, Atlanta. I can't really okay. say. But there was a thousand gallons of gas in thousand. In, you think in, they were going to blow it up? Well, what? Well, what would a truck full of gas w- in so gallons? So, what do you think was going to do that? Muslim. I don't, I don't know if it was terrorism or if it was some smart guy shipping that stuff to the Bahamas in gallons. You know, no, there's no gas. 
People actually need to get around. But they don't have roads or cars, so what good is gas? Yeah, so my theory might might have flaws in it, but what else could it be? It's either terror or perhaps someone selling this. Why would they put it in a parking lot, you know? So I guess to keep it in the shade, that would be yep, one answer. That's good. But anyway, we went to the Reagan Library. In other words, a reason to build a wall. Because if well, these guys are roaming our streets, there's Muslims. Okay, but do you agree that there, there's a difference between the Berlin Wall, which is to keep in slaves of communism, and the Mexican Wall, which is to keep out outlaw invaders who are coming here to collect welfare and to undermine our rule of law? Do you think that there's a difference between those two? Uh, only in the fact that they're, uh, I think that the similarities are that they're both groups of serfs trying to get out. No, yeah, well, they're Central American serfs trying no, no, to get no, into the United States. But the Mexicans States. are not enslaving their own people. They're not. the The wall is not built by the Mexican government. That's right. It's built by us. It's not. So it's built by us to keep these outlaws who are coming to collect welfare and become a public charge, and who then vote for more of the same uh, to well, keep them As soon them as they out. become citizens. They they vote before they're citizens. That's Come on. true. It's California. Once they have a driver's license, they can vote. What yeah. can you do? So this tells you that there's a, a basic moral decay if you can't tell the difference between the two walls. But anyway, so, we went to the Reagan Library. We thought we'd be there for a couple of hours. We were there for five hours. It was amazing. It was really exciting. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. Air Force One, we walked through it. It was a lot smaller back then. And uh, we, I recommend it to everyone. And you realize that in many respects... Was Air Force One inside the building? Or yeah, inside the building. It, was, it's not, it wasn't that big. You know, when you look at it, it was a 707. It was not now, that big. Uh, am I to assume that the Air Force One stays in these libraries, all of them? Or? Yeah, it's retired. It's retired. And but isn't it retired after several presidents? Or no, per no. It president? was, well, it was retired after uh, Reagan. This one was. And he got the library. Got I'm sure every president can get one. But they're not that big. They also have a Marine One helicopter. Trump can't get his presidential library uh, a plane in it because it, that, that, oh, that thing is sure, brand new. Oh, sure, sure. There are going to be places competing for that. It's going to be at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Trump is capable of turning that whole thing into his library. Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll I have think it. you might have been the first person on radio. You heard it here first on WSQF Blink Radio 94.5. This is the Concrete Conservative Show after... Uh, I guess a congressional recess. Ed Vidal took a congressional recess, like all the other Absolutely. congressmen. No, but we had a couple of shows in uh, August that were very good, I thought. They were, we had some good callers calling in. Uh, I mean, we had people calling in. Well, today, let me tell you who's coming in if he okay. comes through that door. There's who's a gentleman that? who's going to run, uh, who's going to primary uh, with Maria Vida. For the Maria Salazar for Congressional District 27 in yes. South Florida. So now I fi- held by Congresswoman Donna Shalala. No, it's Shalalalalala. Okay. Well, Raimundo, or Raymond, I believe he has a Georgian mother and a Cuban father. And Georgian from the Republic of Georgia? No. Russia? We'll find out. Okay. I haven't met him personally yet, but okay. I got a call from him today. And he's 84 years old and he's running for Congress. How That's about that? And he's the founder of the Miami-Dade Republican Party in 1962. Are you kidding? Yes. So how about that? So if, oh, I if don't indeed, think I'm going to make it to 84, so that's great. Well, that's, I told him that my co-host was the same age as him, and he's almost, welcome. Almost. Yeah. So uh, I said he was the same age, and then you'll feel right at home. We've got, you know, we've got water, and uh, what is it you all need? Um, 
Camel uh, pro, straw. Uh, Provagen, straw. Uh, pro, I think it's called, for memory and stuff? No, no, I take Humira for my uh, arthritis. Or, yeah, Humira. Okay. Humira is good. Well, we had some good callers. I mean, Phil Kirpin, who is the president of the uh, AmericanCommitment.org, is uh, has been uh, making the rounds. He's other pl- other programs have picked up on him, so they must be listening to us and deciding to uh, call copy. Blink Radio. Absolutely, yes. Phil Kirpin was very successful. And welcome. And here we have him. Okay. Well, here we have him. Come on in. How you doing? Good to oh, see yeah. you. Good to meet with you guys. All right, Ed Vidal here. This is guy in Abrazo. All right, because you know, because you know, my father way back in the day. We, God bless you. Welcome to La Semecu and Kibiskin. Oh, great, great. Why don't you go sit over there? You're over here. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm a little late, but well, I was, there, we're hearing I went you into just fine. The wrong building there, you know. No problem. No problem. Have a seat, and uh, please introduce yourself to our community because you have quite uh, quite a uh, a stake in conservative. Conservatism in Miami-Dade County, and I think people need to know something about you that nobody's known until right now. Well, you know, there's always time for the good news to come, and, uh, well, I hope uh, I can uh, give a message here of okay. somebody who... Why don't you give us your name? Uh, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> My name is uh, Raymond Molina, and uh, I am a Cuban-American, my mother's an American, from Georgia, Lawrenceville, Georgia, where I was born. And my father is a Cuban. Oh, so that makes you an official American Cuban. A- an American Cuban. Were, were you born in, Cuba, in America? I was born in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Oh, right. You were in that county. Sure. That's, uh, I think the, the Atlanta Braves have their new stadium around there, and they have yeah. a minor league affiliate there. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, that area has grown yes. tremendously. I mean, you know. Lawrenceville, I I remember when I used to go in uh, my grandfather's wagon, station, uh, not station, your panel, your wagon, pulled by a mule. All right. Okay. Okay. From Lawrenceville to Atlanta uh, to get supplies for the winter. That's great. And uh, we used to go 60 miles to Atlanta and uh, we would park the, the wagon next to the Greyhound bus station mm-hmm. in Atlanta and Peach Street. So when I, you would, well, I've been the, through there. I grew up in Chicago, so we would take the Greyhound bus from here through Atlanta, to, and we stopped at Marietta. Marietta, right, yes. yes. Of course. And then we would go out, we would park the car, the, 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 the guy there would take care of the mule, feed the mule, and we would go out and the, uh, to, the, to the town, to the mm-hmm. downtown area there and buy... Uh, you know, flour, and I remember my aunts, they would, uh, uh, look, if you find this sack with flowers in yellow, because... Right. The, you had to do it by logo. Yeah, yeah, you know, so we would buy the the 100-pound uh, flour. So how did your father meet your mother? Uh, well, uh, it's an interesting thing. My father was born in Sahuala Grande, Cuba. Yeah. And, uh, wait, wait, say that again. Sagua Grande. It's a, a fishing village on the North Shore. Exactly. And uh, there's a Puerto Sagua restaurant That's in Miami Beach today, which is very good. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jim, well, anyway, Ed, you're on fire. Yeah, Ed is, a, Ed is uh, the son of a pharmacist from Cuba. Yeah, I was right? born in Cuba. Is that right? Cienfuegos. Ah, Cienfuegos. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you can speak Spanish here. This is bilingual. No, no, do it in English. We have all these listeners. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 
Okay. Well, but wait, don't you have to make a big announcement before we go on the story in Georgia? Because you know you have an announcement to make, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I will. I will. Oh, time. you're prepping. <laughs> you're prepping us. Yeah, really. Come on, let him talk. Let yeah, him talk. Yeah, let me give a little bit of my background. Okay. okay so people know who's uh, on the microphone here. And uh, by the way, thank you very much for having me here with you guys. It's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure. Okay, here's a question for you. What did you know uh, before the Mestres? got involved in television in La Semicu. Did you know that Angel Cambo was the, not the necessarily the original, original, original founder of La Semicu, but the one who expanded it and grew it from yeah. the house to the downtown? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. everybody was familiar with the Well, Cambo. his brother Rafael was my grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was quite an honor to kind of bring back the Cambo legacy here in El Exilio yeah. 60 jeans, years later. The Cambo jeans. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, anyways, um, what happened was that... Uh, uh, there were some problems in Cuba at the time, and uh, my father's uh, older brother decided to take him out and send him to the United States. Now we're talking what years were that? Now, he was born in 30, you were born in 35, in 33, okay, so in 33 there was a revolution of sorts in Cuba, and Machado, I think, was knocked out, and That's Batista right. came in the first time. That's right. Yep. That's right. In that in that era, yep. Uh, my uncle had, uh, sent my father uh, to school in uh, Monroe, uh, Georgia, 30, 40 miles away from Lawrenceville. My mother uh, was, was a Southern Bell was attending Monroe A and M, uh, and she was studying um, uh, to be a dietitian. And my father was the only Cuban in Monroe. And he used to, according to history, he used to be a great dancer. And Most Cubans are. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he my became, daughter is a dancer. Yeah, <laughs> he became a he became known there and quite popular. So he was the Ricky Ricardo of Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Lucy. Yeah, I love Lucy. Well, anyways, you know that was it, and then uh, the depression came. My a grandfather was a farmer, and he used to grow cotton. And uh, all of a sudden, he had picked up the crop, uh, crop, and uh, you can say crap on this radio station. <laughs> <laughs> the crop. The crop. <laughs> and then he had it stacked in the in the yard there, and all of a sudden, the prices went to hell, and uh, he almost went bankrupt. You know, everybody lost, uh, you know, you you invest in your crop and then all of a sudden... Yeah, that's the story That's the story of, of yeah. the farmer. So my mother uh, went to New York to, to work and she got a job in New York as a dietitian to help pay off the debt mm -hmm. of my grandfather's farm, you see. By that time, my father had gone to New York. And he was export manager for Goodrich in New York. That's and a pretty cool transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did all right. He did all right. And uh, he was working there. And all of a sudden, uh, walking down Fifth Avenue, they cross each other and they meet again. And then they started dating. And, uh, well, they got married. And uh, here's the result of uh, that encounter. Little did they know they were gonna <laughs> they were gonna breed a, a, a potential congressman for the state yeah, of Florida. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, 
I wasn't supposed to say that. Go you ahead, were supposed to ahead. say that. So all of a sudden, uh, well, that's the way it goes. Uh, my mother went to Lawrenceville to give birth to my birth. You have brothers and sisters, I assume? No, no, You're no, the only I, child. I, eh? You're the only child. I'm the only child. I had uh, a very close first cousin. Well, I still have three very close first cousins. We were raised together in Cuba, They're here in Miami. And I've got first cousins in Lawrenceville uh, still. Yeah, you still have a little bit of a Georgia. Oh, you, yeah. You have your draw there. Yeah. Now, now, let's accelerate this story. The Bay of Pigs, how is it that you became uh, uh, interested or motivated to, to well, participate in the Bay you, of Pigs? Uh, let me tell you, I, 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 in Cuba, uh, I was appointed, I was studying law, uh, Batista, uh, my first wife, uh, was very close to Marta Batista and Marta Fernandez, and anyways, you know. Uh, the the government uh, Batista President Batista uh, created a in the Supreme Court of Cuba a court uh, which didn't exist in the jurisprudence of Cuba uh, to deal with uh, acts against terrorist acts against the state uh, they had the criminal court, civil criminal court at the Supreme Court. And then there was no uh, ways of uh, exerting justice uh, in its full uh, extent. Uh, Fidel Castro had been... Um, Creating problems. Had been, yeah, well... That's, well, the assault on Moncada and uh, all that, right? The assault on Moncada. He was uh, sent for 20 years in jail, and he couldn't... Uh, Go and appeal his case. Right. Okay. Also, oh, he wait a minute. So the audience, uh, uh, so Batista gave an angle for uh, yes. for Fidel Castro to appeal his case. Yes. Yes. No. 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 He didn't. He was convicted of uh, uh, participating in the assault on the Moncada barracks. But was it considered and a terror? He was, but the, this is a special court from yes. which there was no appeal. There was no. Appeal. Okay. But so in the his court final is a, speech, so, He said, "I'm out. History so will absolve me." Okay, right? so the court yeah, yeah. the court was established to well, prosecute this, this to particular court where I was appointed. Okay, uh, 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 didn't exist. So obviously Castro was in jail in the Alpine, and uh, he had no appeal opportunity. There's no court that could handle an appeal, not only for Castro but for all of the revolutionaries that were. And being because it wasn't considered criminal, it was considered an act against it the was state. A special court it, it was a with special no appeal. Court, yes. Right, and it was las, it was called la sala segunda de lo criminal eh, del tribunal supremo, and that was to handle only eh, acts of terrorism, which is something that we need to do here in the United States to handle. Well, we have that. We have well, we that. We have federal courts and we have military courts yeah. too. Yeah. Well, the our terrorist courts are the ones that go on in, in Guantanamo, correct? Right. Yeah. Military. So, Anyways, uh, I was appointed there, and obviously I was uh, having to interview all of these guys that were in jail, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, serving time. And uh, uh, so when the government collapsed, uh, they went after all of us, you know. So first come, first serve. Was, you know, you could have been shot. 
No, no, they went after me. Right. To execute me. Right. No, no, I had to get the hell out of there. You know, it was. Uh, now you yeah. did in these interviews. We, there, did, there was an opportunity to meet with Fidel and Raúl, or no. no, Raúl wasn't involved. No, no, no. I, was uh, Raúl involved in Moncada or no? No, yeah. no. Jose Antonio Echevarria. Yeah. But no, Jose Antonio was a leader. I was studying law. Then. Right. And, uh, but there were Antonio, yeah. There was a president of the um, Movimiento Estudiantil. Universitario. Okay. He, so well, anyways, uh, he got shot and killed. That was the day of the attack on the Palacio. Coming out of the radio. I don't know, maybe 200 yards from where I was attending law school mm -hmm. at the time. And that day, I remember the shooting and everything, and then we came out and I saw the car. But anyways, <clears throat> that's how I uh, Castro comes in. I leave Cuba, obviously. I was an American citizen. So I had to hide uh, for like 15 days or 20 days. My mother went running to the American embassy, obviously, and all of a sudden, you know, they program an extraction a process to get mm -hmm. me out of uh, Cuba. And uh, well, and I, along with other Americans, I suppose. Yeah, well, in the I don't know. Yeah, I presume they did that with others, but uh, I know that they... So your flight was a commercial flight, no, or was it a no, private no, jet? They, or? they put me in the ferry. The in the ferry. ferry that used to go to Havana, you see? Right. And uh, it was only 15 days. Uh, they, there were no organization. There was uh, chaos, and nobody had any records of anything. And uh, it was a colonel, a U.S. colonel, a DIA guy. Uh, came and picked me up and uh, got me in a jeep and drove me down to uh, the mm -hmm. bay there where the ship was. And he had, they already bought the tickets and everything. So I just went in and said, don't worry about it. Get on the boat. You'll be out of here. So I came into uh, Key West where the, how do you call it, the ferry used to. It was called, uh, what, did you ever go to the building of Famis uh, San Felipe or San, the building that's in, in Key West? It's, uh, it was you like know, an annex, like a Cuban know, annex? I don't, I don't remember exactly. It's been some years. Yeah, now. I'll say. And, uh, but I did get there. I got on the bus and came to Miami. I had uh, $300 in my pocket. And that my aunt had stacked away and somehow or another. That was it, you know, so I got in. Uh, well, I land here, there's uh, other uh, friends of mine that uh, uh, got on a boat, a yacht, the Simbat, and they had, uh, they left Cuba uh, around those days. And we all got together and we moved into the yacht. So this is really uh, 59, 60? 59. 59. January, 59. So right when the chaos. Yeah, 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 right, January. I'm here from the onset, you know. So uh, that was it. Uh, land here, and uh, obviously we started uh, working against the Castro government immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And doing all sorts of things. Uh, so you were part of the early uh, planning or the early communications of when the CIA was showing up? Well, yeah. Deciding who was going to go to the Bay of Pigs? Yeah, well, I, I, originally, the, the agency had contacted me because they had records. They knew I was an American citizen. And, mm -hmm. uh, so 
those were the first uh, So who in the recorded history that, that our audience would know did you start working with? Uh, were you sent to Guatemala for the, the or were well, you or were you in stayed in Homestead in the? Uh... No, no, no. I we we went uh, from here. We went to New Orleans, and uh, then from New Orleans we were transferred to. I was transferred with a group to Guatemala, and uh, I mean, uh, yeah, Guatemala uh, to uh, the camp that was. Uh, yeah, was set up. Yeah. And then we, I had uh, military training. I had been in the National Guard, and uh, I studied ROTC. So uh, I took uh, a function of being a, a commander of a mortar company, uh, which I knew how to manage. Shoot the mortars. <laughs> mortar, 81 millimeter mortars. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so that was uh, my role. And, uh, well, that's how I got involved. You know, I registered, I volunteered, you know, to go. And, uh, now, the motor, co- um, what uh, what role did you play in the landing in the Bay of Pigs? First, second, third, parachute? I was in the boat uh, ship, a cargo ship, one of those uh, victory ships from the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called the Houston, the Houston. And... The morning, well, the, at 1 o'clock in the morning when we got to where we were supposed to, uh, you know, uh, park the boat and start the landing, uh, everything went haywire. That was uh, a chaos, you see, because uh, we put anchor there and uh, all of a sudden... Yeah, because the Bay of Pigs itself was a terrible landing area. See, see, you know, and uh, there was... It was all kinds of mistakes. They, the the agency had provided pictures of uh, of the landing area, and uh, there were reefs there. Yeah, Los Arrecifes. And then they said that no, those are the shadows of uh, you know the the shadows the, of the yeah, sky. No, no, that was hard rock. That was there, <laughs> so, do you think that it was purposely sabotaged by the Kennedy administration? Well, let me tell you. Yes, I have. Okay. I have very strong uh, reservations right. about the, the process. After years have gone by, mm-hmm. and I you connected all the dots. Proactively think of uh, the process and how it uh, unfolded. Uh, I feel that uh, yeah, there was some uh, sort of uh, sabotage uh, with a purpose. With yeah, because if you were supposed to land on sandy beaches in Escambre and you ended up in the fango, yeah. Kennedy the, the changed that. I know. I was growing up in Cruces, uh-huh. nearby, near San Fuegos and Santa Clara, mm-hmm. and I knew that the mountains of Escambray were, were full of gorillas, so yeah. you could have linked up with them. Oh, yeah. But putting you in the middle of a swamp, of a swamp yeah. where there was no way out is just. Well, uh, let me tell you that I'm not. I feel that uh, strategically, the area. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't uh, have any reservations against the choosing of that particular spot because if we would have landed there and uh, proceeded, and this is why I want to tell you why the whole thing went chaotic, is that uh, when we started unloading the boats where we were going to put our troops 
Mm-hmm. To go to Very to similar Beach. to what occurred in, in Normandy, right. were you? It was 1 o'clock in the morning. This is a little town there, Hiron. It was, uh, was dark, you see? And the idea was to take over that little town and uh, have our uh, frog uh, men go in and cut off the lines of telephone, telephone lines so that we would secure that area and uh, consolidate our landing, and uh, then from there on start the fight. But uh, what happened was that uh, when we started unloading those boats with the cranes, uh, mm-hmm. these were old cranes, man, the, the noise at 1 o'clock in the morning of a place where you couldn't hear a mosquito fly. And all of a sudden, clack, 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 the whole town lit up. Incredible. Yeah, so the... That smells, the, the, that smells the, like sabotage. Right, it was no surprise. Boom. And uh, then, obviously, uh, what happened was that uh, we had a, we started the fight right there. You know, they, they had posted two jeeps with 50 calibers there at the, at the beach. So and that means that Fidel had some knowledge that you guys were going to land there. Well, Fidel, Fidel basically uh, was protecting all places where possibly uh, a landing could take place. Yeah, but with two jeeps, my God, yeah, not yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened is that our very, very uh, valiant, uh, you know, frontmen, they engaged uh, the, the two jeeps and they knocked them out of commission. But before that happened... We had a very, very, uh, um, you know, fearful uh, exchange of fire there, you know, and then we we were getting all of. Uh, I remember I the first time uh, you know I've ever seen uh, you know uh, war. I, I was looking at the tracers coming, and I thought that all of them were going to hit my head. You know? They're flying over your head. Yeah, yeah, they were flying all over. You see, so I. Got a hold of the read and said, "Hey Raymond, hey hold it, you know, get a hold get a of grip yourself. and start firing." Yeah, yeah, I got. A, and then I turn around, and then I start, you know, giving orders to the people that were on board the ship. And uh, but it, uh, you know, it takes a few seconds before you can uh, actually take control of yourself and then start. realize you actually are here. I'm here, and I've got to survive this, and we got to go forward, and, you know, all of those uh, things that uh, come to you in a situation that you've never experienced before. But it was interesting. Uh, the fact is that uh, the cover, the surprise element of the invasion was blown, and that is where my doubts to the questions that you Did you ever me. find out who made the decision to use that type no, of crane? Yeah. Or it was just... The ships were old as hell. Uh, those cranes, you know... So that could have been by Eisenhower and Nixon. Well, let me tell you... Because I don't see... No, how was, How would Kennedy get involved in that part, that well, minutiae? Let me tell you, they, I remember that uh, the guy who sends the, the order, the executive order, to activate an action against Castro was Nixon. Mm-hmm. You see, Nixon loses. He, he's not elected, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden the Kennedy group come in. Okay, so how does how does the Nixon change in policy came right with the new people? The, the right, guys that took over CIA. They reviewed the plan and yeah. changed it, and that's what didn't work. That well, didn't work. 
Right. Well, I've read I've read the logs during the uh, Eisenhower administration. I've read the logs, the formal White House logs of Kennedy already being elected, but there is no transition to the uh, he hasn't taken the the oath yet. But he has the rights to get it up to date really quick because he's going to be taking the oath in a couple of weeks. You know, yeah. between November and January. Well, CIA briefs him. Right. Yeah. So I there is when the logs say by the person who writes the the logs that there was uh, the Escambre plan was scrapped. Right. And people were really upset, and they're trying to make a comeback. And they say it in very uh, vague words because it's a log. So you have to kind of decipher between the law. And I was doing it and to, to understand where in the hell, I mean, how could Kennedy dislike Nixon so much to sabotage the freedom of a whole nation of people? Well, let me, let me, let me be frank about this. Uh, at least this is my line of thought. I think fundamentally that Kennedy was not ready to be the president of the United States. Like a young fellow. Very similar to Barack Hussein Obama. Well, he was ready. Obama was ready, yeah. yeah, yeah. Obama did. Obama was ready. Was ready. He had a plan and right. an agenda. To fundamentally transform America. And right? that he has. That wasn't the case with right. Kennedy. No, Kennedy didn't know what he was no, doing. No, no, no. Kennedy didn't know. As I call him, Pussy Jack Kennedy and his asshole brother, Bobby. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Make I your agree day. I with that <laughs> Anyways, um, you know... What happened was that the invasion takes place. He couldn't stop the invasion. You know, it was too far developed and everything was... Uh, but uh, the inner workings of, of, the, of the logistics of the invasion changed hands. And that's where I think that the boats... Uh, the boats were Sears and Rowboat aluminum boats. That, they were not... Uh, boats uh, take mm-hmm. care of an agenda of a right. landing of uh, troops. And right. No, no, it wasn't the, the proper thing. So it was like boats. landing with the Boy Scouts. Yeah. Well, the boats were going from the, the from the ship to shore, and there was no uh, program because it was dark as uh, you could. Plus, ever you think. you all were sinking into the mud, right? Because you had a lot of weight on you. No. Yeah. Well, the ones that landed in for, yeah, before yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were ones that landed and uh, got to the beach. But what happened was that uh, <clears throat> the the how do you call it the the action of the invasion uh, generates a a Castro government uh, how do you call it activity in the United and also Nations. galvanizes support. No, no, but he goes to the United Nations, and there we have Adlai Stevenson who's an old-time leftist yes. uh, activist in the Democratic Party, and he gets appointed ambassador of the United States to, to the United Nations. Ladies and, and uh, gentlemen, this is the product of electing a Democrat to the presidency oh, of the United you. States. Every time you do so, the enemy wins. It's that simple. Well, you know, they bring about all of these leftists. Uh, and also Stevens. Christopher Dodd. Ah, oh, no, Christopher. Another disaster. I've got a, I've got a long story. About That's the that. father of Dodd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christopher Dodd. He yeah. thought Fidel was a saint. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, well, we can talk about that. <laughs> that that's another well, rabbit Chris hole. Chris Cuomo still thinks that. Chris yeah. Cuomo on CNN yeah. still thought that, yes. That Christopher Dodd was a saint or Fidel no, was a he, saint? No, he thought, well, he was, Chris Cuomo 
is called Fredo okay. because he was complaining that he had gone to Cuba with uh, Obama in 2015, and he was complaining that Fidel Castro had not done what, what communism is supposed to do. Oh, my God. All right, let's yeah. go back to the story. So now, so now Adel Stevenson... So now Adel Stevenson is, uh, was not brought in to the loop regarding the, the invasion. invasion. Uh, all of a sudden, one of our B-26 uh, gets hit and has to land on one of the islands here in the Caribbean. Our B-26s uh, had, uh, under the wing, they had a blue stripe so that we down would differentiate mm -hmm. from the good and the bad plane. And so, obviously... Okay, so the stripe underneath the belly of the plane yeah, is to let you know that they're on your wing, side, on the wings, yes. Under the wind, you know, then we, we don't shoot to this one. That's the bad one, shoot that one. You okay. See? So that's uh, the way we, we would differentiate. But the fact is that uh, Castle gets a hold of the pictures of this particular plane, what happened to be our plane. And he goes running to the United Nations, and then uh, Stevenson had been uh, defending the administration and saying, denying that uh, the U.S. had anything to do with the Big mistake. Big mistake. Well, you know, he could have taken another approach uh, because there were all kinds of justification to and justify you, you, can the invasion. You, can, you know, so. Do you feel convinced now that if Nixon were president, obviously this oh, wouldn't? No, no question. No question. It. Nixon was committed to overthrowing Castro. Absolutely. As vice president, he was trying very hard. Kennedy was not committed. Absolutely and not. And the team that Kennedy brought to his administration was not committed to that, even the guys in CIA. One of the problems we've had historically with CIA is, is that they're splitting them. It's the line, the leftist influence in the within CIA. the foreign policy of the United States. Right, and the America. State Department is completely no, leftist. The State Department is chaotic, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, it's, it's really bad. Uh, even because, to this day. Yes. Yeah? They, they, there's got to be a, a day of reckoning with the foreign policy, you know, failures throughout the years. Well, that's part of what uh, President Trump has done. That's right. Yes. Well, he's trying to do it. Well, he's right. Get me, i got to get elected okay. to go up there and helping. Absolutely. Let's understand that. Oh, yeah. I've got so you, are you planning to make this? Now it's time for you to go ahead and say it since you already said it. What are you thinking of doing? You're thinking of running for Congress. Well, I've already sent my application to the Federal Election Committee, a commission, and I'm going to throw my hat in the ring in District 27. We've got to obviously clean the swamp there in that district. We have Shalala there. It's called, in this show, it's called Shalala la 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 well, She's in La La Land. I think that uh, we need uh, to do that. Uh, I would have to win a primary in the Republican Party, by the way, which I founded in 1963 uh, with Fernando Penavas. I don't know if... Here in Dade County? Here in Dade County. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Florida was a Southern Democrat. Oh, no. The, hey, Democrats used to, uh, how do you call it, uh, hunt. Republicans with shotguns. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's your only. You can only hear that on WSQF ninety four point five.
Southern Democrats are hunting Republicans. And now there's movies. Republicans were African Americans. Yeah. Yes. We, we, the chairman of the party was Paul and Alice O'Neill okay. at the time. And uh, Bob Rosasco was a secretary of the party. And uh, then we ran Mike Thompson to run against uh, Danny Fassell. Wow, Dante Fassell. Yeah, and uh, that's how. But we couldn't get, uh, you know, people to run for office in the Republican Party where there's no chance of getting elected here yes. in Dade County. You know? So that was, uh, that's how we started. And then, obviously, uh, the Cubans were coming into Miami. And uh, one day, uh, there was a club here in Miami, Dade County, uh, here in the downtown. It was called the, the 100 Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, local businessmen, you know that, uh, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, the Brickle families and the uh, Penny yeah, Camps yeah, and yeah, all of those guys. And, Matheson's, uh, Burdines, Burdines. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Burdine. Okay, they they held uh, they held uh, how do you call it? Uh, so my father, my my when you meet my father, this is I, the only memory I have as a small child because I'm born in '64. So I'm now about eight or nine years old because I'm putting up posters for Jim Angleton for mayor. Yeah. That's the first sense I have of politics. And he gets trounced by, I believe, he he loses to either Clark or Maurice Ferre for City of Miami. I don't know yeah, if it was Maurice a Maurice Ferre for City of Miami. If Murray, uh, Maurice beats him, right? Yeah. Jim Angleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, and I'm in the back of a pickup truck putting up posters. Back in those days, we could staple gun the posters yeah. to the wood you know, light posts. Okay. And of course, we didn't have to tear them down afterwards. Today, they want you to take them down after the election. Yeah. We, those just stayed up forever. Yeah. So that's anyway, my first sense of uh, politics. Anyway, I somebody wanted uh, somebody who spoke English to come and brief this club there in the Everglades, uh, the Everglades Hotel at the time. So wait a minute, the babe. Uh, no, the missile it. crisis isn't isn't in the front and center yet. The what? The the Cuban Missile Crisis already passed when you do this, or before? No, 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 no. That was before. You were taken. Yeah. You were taken a political prisoner in 1961. That's right. And when were you released? 60, 60, December 62. Okay. So you were in the Orange Bowl when Kennedy gave the speech. Oh, yeah, I went to the Orange Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that the most farcical speech well, I've let ever? Me tell you, let me tell you something. I, I have to. Admit. A man who puts you in. A man who sets you up yeah, is now yeah. giving you kisses and hugs yeah, in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. That's, well, I've heard that whole I've heard that whole speech. Um, terrible audio, but I heard it at the University of Miami. The, the, the saddest story. The the invasion itself, when it took place, and what we went through, which I'm not covering in this. Uh, I, as an American, as an American, not as a Cuban, right. but as an American, uh, I was really uh, upset about my country. Embarrassed. About my country, I would I was with my brothers in arms, and they were all pissed off at the Cubans and Americans because right. were the frogmen Americans? Those frogmen yeah, you mentioned? All, well, except uh, Gray, who was a head, of, one of the you know leaders of the group. Uh, he was a CIA guy who landed with the group, and uh, but the rest of the frogmen were all. Cuban Americans, you know, and 
So it means they had advanced training. They had been oh, doing yeah, this. Yeah, no, they had they been were, dedicated to this for a while. They, yeah, they, they had been trained properly and they performed properly. They did what they had. They to took do. out those jeeps quick. Oh yeah, quick, quick. They moved in a hurry, and they that was taken care of, and we opened the door for the, the rest of the group to come in. But uh, so, in other words, they mission accomplished. Yeah, their mission, part. Yeah, their come. Uh, but uh, what I was saying was mm-hmm. that uh, um, in the in the in the in the moment I went to to the. Everglades Hotel to to give a briefing. By the way, they had, they they said that they would compensate me with seventy five bucks, so for my uh, you know briefing there. for your blood basically yeah. <laughs> seventy five dollars for your life. Well, but it was came in very handy at the time. Okay, <laughs> sure. So I went there. All of a sudden. And what uh, prison did you, uh, that's where you met Manel, inside the prison. See, we were together. In now, Manel is, a, who's listening, on, he, right now he's Manuel. listening on live stream. Yeah, Manuel. Yeah, he's the father Manuel. of my brother's wife. And uh, this is how this connection occurs. So, Manel, felicidades, you got what you, what you. Menendez? Manel Menendez, also Bay of Pigs, the youngest, I think he's the youngest paratrooper. One, yeah, one the youngest one. paratrooper to fly, uh, yeah. to jump out. Because yeah. he uh, lied about his age, I think he jumped out at seventeen, and he said he was eighteen. Yeah. And then I guess he meets you. That's where you meet in the prison. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were, you know, running around in uh, in how do you call it, calzoncillo. Yeah, <laughs> in underwear. Yeah, they stripped you guys down. We we identify ourselves when, hey, turn around. Ah, yeah, that's his butt. <laughs> in calzoncillo. Yeah. Well. Uh, uh, going back to to this uh, briefing, I had given the the group of uh, for which I got paid seventy five bucks. Uh, I finished uh, my dissertation, and uh, a fellow by the name of Melvin Laird, a sure I know who he is, yeah, a congressman from uh, Illinois. He was no, he's from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. He's he's the guy who failed to provide, who's Secretary of Defense. He failed to provide armored carriers for the Rangers in Mogadishu. Yeah. And then they got shot up because they didn't have it. Yeah. They had to borrow them from the Pakistanis to get them out of there. Get them out of there. And then he resigned. That was the Clinton administration. No, no, no. Melvin Laird was a, a, a Nixon. Oh, a Nixon guy. Okay. Nixon. So he had been there that whole time. Yeah. He well, he was a, a congressman from Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, he comes up to me and he says, uh, young fellow, I'd like to speak to you. You know, so I said, fine. I didn't know what it was. And, but he had a house in Star Island here in Miami Beach in the Causeway there. Mm-hmm. You know, he used to come and go. And, and he was familiar with these uh, people in this particular group. And then he said, I gather, uh, when I went to him after I finished, uh, he said, I gather you are not a Democrat. I said, no, I don't, I'm not anything. You know, I just feel that I was betrayed by Kennedy. And our invasion was betrayed by him. And he says, well, I'd like to recruit you. You change your mind. Yeah, I'd like to recruit you. I said, well, recruit me for what? He says, well, I want to make you a Republican. And uh, I said, well, you know, I'm not a... I'm not opposed to that. So he says, how do we do that? I said, how do we do that? He said, well, take me to the post office. Consider yourself a Republican from now on. And I'm going to get you to go to the, uh, how do you call it, the convention. And uh, 
I'm going to get you a position so that you can speak, pre present oh. a a proposal at the a commission, a committee of international relations of the. In that uh, opportunity, Fernando Penavas and I prepared a plank to be introduced into the platform of the Republican Party. And uh, it, it um, basically was reactivating the Monroe Doctrine. Uh, Whoa. That's, which, repeat that again. I think the audience would love that. So yeah. you're saying there was an opportunity. Yeah, well, I, we formulated the plank. To, and we introduced it, it was accepted. And here is something interesting. Obviously, if that would have uh, been our policy, our foreign policy since then, all of this that we're experiencing in the Western Hemisphere... So this is, now the gold, this is now the for Goldwater for president. That's yeah. that convention. Yeah, yeah. No, no, this is the plank? now in the, in the, how do you call it, the... Uh, the Nixon convention here in... Uh, oh, so now we're talking uh, 70, uh, 70. 70s. 70s, yeah. Oh, okay, so many years have gone by. Yeah, yeah. So and this then, person approaches you closer to 70, so you've already healed from the wounds of the Bay of Pays, you're already having a private life. Oh, yes. You're already formed, you're starting to form a family and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're developing, well, by that time, we were very active in running the... Um, how do you call it? The Republican Party in Dade County. Okay, so you already had funded, you already oh, had founded, yeah, yeah. you already had done all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that that explains how, why the congressman would approach you and ask about your sediments, and you you were clear as day. Kennedy yeah. screwed this thing up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm happy to hear that because well, I wrote one thing that's important is that Kennedy's failure has been the basis for all the problems in the Western Hemisphere since 1961. Including this the day. Cuban Missile Crisis, to the Maduro illegal regime. immigration, <laughs> to the Maduro regime in Venezuela, Ortega in Nicaragua, everywhere else, it undermined American influence in the region. That's Plus, you can also add uh, what, Colombia, Pino, what, what Pinochet had to do gorilla, in Chile. Right, everything <laughs> is because well, of that single failure. Open well, the door. That was that was the dagger in the back. Of the U.S. Right. Right there. Well, I make a statement in my book, and I think uh, I'm influencing my co-host here because he just kind of almost repeated words from the book, where I say, and I make a very strong claim, uh, that the United States denied its own manifest destiny, excluding Cuba from it. Yeah. Because Cubans... Well, I don't know about that. Cubans funded the Battle of Yorktown to... To give America its freedom against the British in 1781, yeah. and when it was time to return the favor, it did not. Yeah. Well, Therefore, I make a strong claim. No, no, no. But the, the Cuba, um, uh, Latin America has a very different political culture, and why I you, don't think it's very you, different. Why, it should not be part of the United States. Why are you? Why are you including? The Great Antilles no, with no, no. Latin Cuba America. Is part of Latin America. No, it is not. It's a different political culture. It is culture, not. And, it is uh, not. It wouldn't have. It, there is it would no way. There is well, no way you can make that claim. No, but yeah. no way. Let me say the this. Cuban people are not Latin Americans. They are not. Let me let me interject something here. No, there is no it, way. The reason why Cuba is not part of the United States is that uh, in the 1800s, 1700s. Uh, 
Cuba was waving a revolutionary war against the Spaniards. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. And we had the Cubans that were, you know, giving their lives for the independence. Jose Marti. Yeah. Right. Martí. Yeah, but that's right. much right. later. And, uh, yeah. You know, but that's not 1780. No, no, no. But but you had to, you guys are you guys are talking about a hundred year difference there. Yeah, but, 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 but I'm talking about the foundation of this country was yeah, well, was the X factor was the Spanish at the time of the foundation of this country. Even Florida was not part of the United States. But Florida was a swamp. There weren't even people there. there. It was there, there were there Native were Indians. Forts, no. Pensacola. For you and to say Fort that Augustine. Cuba was Latin America in yeah. the early founding of this country, Cuba was two hundred years older than. The Plymouth Rock Different and the place. Americans. Hello. And they spoke English, and they spoke Spanish, and they were Catholics. Two big differences. Okay, but the fact is that Cuba, already a nation, not a nation, sorry, a colony, right. 200 years before Admiral Bradford arrives right. on the Plymouth Rock, right? But, yeah, but let me go back to what you were mentioning. Uh, yes, Kennedy right. is the one that really... Consolidated the communist government in Cuba. Right, because after that he couldn't take them on. That you, right, you forbidden all Cubans from the right to fight to the communist. Right, right, right. Their enemy and and come back and bring. And they, well, they're in the Escambray Mountains and other places. There were a lot of rebels, and they were all deserted. Uh, that's right. And then what happened? Well, you was, can hide too, because yeah. you can hide in the, on those forests. I don't see, but uh, you know. Relatively, you yeah. know, because it's small places and you can surround, Castro surrounded the people that were fighting in the Escambray with mm-hmm. about 80,000 uh, milicianos. And yeah, well, that's and, a huge force. Yeah, yeah, so 80,000, you know, they had a miliciano every yard and right, half right, right. the other, you know, so you close in. And but they were all abandoned by the United States. They all abandoned. Right, them. in 1965, Congress passed the Cuban Readjustment Act that led... People that wanted to leave uh, apply to leave, and that was when my family applied to leave, and we left in 1966. Yeah, okay. Well, because there was there was uh, there was a rebellion that continued from 60 to 66 right. in El Cambre. right? Yeah. And, and yeah, and all over, yeah. But, and that's where the famous uh, Varela, uh, Zoila Varela, came from, which was the real Rambo yeah. in the Rambo movies. Was actually a female. She took on a bunch of them. You know the story of Zoila? They were all abandoned by Kennedy. Well, she took out some like 25 guys with a hunting rifle by seducing them at campfires from 60 to 66. They had killed her husband and her two children. And she would would seduce them, take them up to the hills. The others would stay around the campfire, and then they would hear, pack, pack. And she did this for years, hiding in the bush until she ran out of bullets. And even Fidel couldn't execute her when he finally got her because... They didn't kill me as an ideal. I'm not going to kill you as an ideal. And she came, and Jesse Jackson got her out later, already lost. You know, she already had gone through electroshock and everything. She, she wasn't a person. But those are, those are the, that's where the movie was written from, that yeah, person. But, but the problem is that, well, you're right, when Kennedy made that failure, it was Katie bar the door. The, the Soviet Union had its foot in the door. Wait a second. And We have to talk him. about, I, I got to well, ask. Kennedy Khrushchev deal. Right. Right. Uh, right. That's what there, I was going to ask you. Uh, Kennedy. Uh, I am Berliner. Uh, no, that's bullshit. But, you, uh, but it, Kennedy actually uh, goes beyond. It's bullshit his here. Rights. You know, I don't care. Right. How, who or you can't constrain a country from 
aspiring to be free. Especially after you the inauguration right. speech he gave. Yeah, yeah you can't aspire. He's a total hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, tell every right. enemy, whether they're yeah, friend or foe, it. that we are standing here as America to support baloney. liberty. Baloney. That was his. That was his inauguration speech. It was in August of '61. The Soviets built the Berlin Wall, which they had not built with Eisenhower because they knew Kennedy was a coward. Yes, and would not. Stand and Khrushchev up. told them, "You know that man in Cuba? Now that you failed, he's our communist." Right. Well, and then. It, he, it I think he shook him down in Vienna. That he wouldn't be attacked. Right, right, so right. So then the Communist Party in Cuba and uh, develops a long-term uh, penetration of uh, ideological penetration of the Western Hemisphere. Right. They had an agenda. These guys, they took office. They they wanted to. Uh, take over Haiti. They wanted to take over Panama. No, they were sending people. Yeah. And che Guevara was sent to Bolivia. To Bolivia. Pinochet and, uh, and uh, Allende in Chile. In yeah. Chile, they, they they planned the assassination of uh, General Pinochet. In right. Chile. And Dilma in Brazil was a communist trained in Cuba. In Cuba. Right. No, and Dilma's father was but prosecuted. That, that was her training. Right. Was part of the program that the communists in Cuba developed for penetrating the grassroots of Latin America. Right. And, and some people say that Maduro went through that training as well. Maduro went through that. And Chavez was part Santo, of it. Santo, the president that of, the Colombia. of Colombia, was an agent, uh, what was it, agent uh, whatever. You know, he had a name, a code name. And, oh, so uh, he was head old too. Yeah, you know, so what we now... Uh, getting uh, as a result of that is that the United States actually lost our influence in the Western Hemisphere and the Castro government is as powerful right. as we are and as influential yeah, They're guaranteed as we are. Uh, longevity, right? Uh, that's right. The, the Castro government takes over Venezuela. It's an agenda. Yes. It's been their agenda. And been able to do it for a long time. With an ailing Fidel. And the U.S. <laughs> Department of State and all of our presidents that you and I supported yeah. never paid attention to. Now that we have President Trump paying attention to a problem that we've inherited right. for 50 60, years. 60. Yeah, yeah, but then, you know, now it, it takes a, a firm a policy. To get rid of these guys, and they are weak. They they are beatable. But you got to have the determination out of the Department of State and out of our White House to get rid of this, and it's doable. And you think that Trump is really anxious to get out of Afghanistan well, and Iraq so that he can pay attention to Latin America? Let me tell you, Trump. Could that is, be true? Trump is doing, I think, what he has to do. First of all. He has to get out of the Middle East. No, no. First of all, you got to get our economy strong as hell. Because uh, the, the, I would say that the, the threat that we are confronting needs and requires a lot of money. We need to get our infrastructure built, rebuilt. Uh, we got to make life better for all Americans, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, I presume that some Democrats are going to realize that he is doing the right job for them. And then we got to keep our military strong. 
stronger than any other country in the world because we got to be unbeatable because the enemies that we have are very strong and very determined. And there's a new player in town who's been threatening for a long time without doing much, which is China. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, China, let me tell you, China is a paper. Uh, I, I think wait, wait a minute. Are you, are you reversing the paper tiger syndrome? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, I, uh, I, think, I think that uh, the China, uh, China depends on our market. Make sure, make sure you didn't answer it. <laughs> China. Well, then we'll have, no, to, we'll have another China, guest. China depends on our market. I, I remember. Well, I would be diverting from. Your no, no. Actually, we no, need we fine. need we yeah. need to actually make. It's now six o'clock here on the Concrete Conservative. You're listening to WSQF ninety four point five, and uh, continue. We're here with. Um, you're not. You're, you're. But you're. I can't say Raimundo. I have to say Raymond Ray. because because you were born in the United States. Okay, yeah. so Raymond. But it's my name. It is your Raymond. name. Yes. It's not Jose. It's not Ramon. It's, <laughs> no, Raimundo. It's not Raimundo. It's Raymond. Okay. And, uh, well, going back uh, when the Nixon administration took office and uh, Melvin Laird, I was close to the Secretary of Defense. And, uh, yeah, he was Secretary of Defense for Nixon. For Nixon. Yes. Yeah, for Nixon. Uh, uh, at that time, shouldn't that have been George Bush instead? Huh? Shouldn't that have been? No. Shouldn't no. he have picked George Bush instead? No. Uh, the the thing is that Nixon comes. We had the war in Vietnam, and uh, Nixon, which I really didn't agree with, uh, brings Ken, uh, Kissinger in, and uh, he wants to get out of Vietnam. Uh, I I didn't agree with the way we got out of Vietnam, but anyways. Yeah, but we shouldn't have gone in. To be, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't have gone in, but... Uh, I mean, we, it, it, just the fact that we left a communist 90 miles away to fight yeah, communism 4,000 miles away, yeah, I mean... But, uh, let me tell you, you don't get involved in a fight uh, <coughs> to the extent that we did under a principle of a police action. When you get involved in a fight, you go all the way, right. or you don't go. Right. Simple as that. And we were playing around... We were sacrificing our youth, our soldiers, and we didn't have the determination to win the war. Yeah, that's unforgivable. And we're doing the same thing in Afghanistan today, and we were doing it for a while there in Iraq. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and this is what happens right. with the influence within the State Department. You understand? Yeah. And uh, what we have to do is reverse that uh, way of doing business, you know, simple as that. And uh, what? what got to fight to win. You got to fight. So you're going to suggest that to Trump as a congressman? Well, yes, of course. Uh, I will be uh, repeating uh, my position all the way. And uh, obviously, uh, yes. <laughs> and well, this is his only legacy was the Apollo space flights. Because after all, he never got to see it, but at least he got to see one of them. Yep. Yeah. I'm holding up a book for the audience to hear John F. Kennedy from Florida to the moon. <laughs> you know, well, what the uh, let me tell you, I, I, I am a strong believer uh, of uh, a firm foreign policy. 
And uh, with uh, now that uh, we need to confront uh, the influence, the socialistic influence, not only nationwide, but internationally. And I think that uh, the first step that we have to take to actually disband this whole concept of socialism is take care of liberating Cuba and Venezuela. Can, and you, can has, you take them out together? You, well, you take Venezuela out, then Cuba would go. I mean, uh, Cuba has no, uh, no substantiality bec- on her own. She's now, yeah, but her, her MiG fighters are a little better than Venezuela's Air Force. So you would be taking them on anyway. No, you, you can you can strangle to death Cuba. Yeah, but you, if you're going to go into them all the money that we're sending them. Yeah, remittances. Remittances. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got to cut that, and we got to uh, do away with the cultural exchange. You, you know, people coming from Cuba and singing here, all of these Castro, uh, you know, uh, Cubans that are come in. They make money, take the money back, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the Cuban... Uh, yeah, the same thing Democrat that's going on on the Mexican border. ...can't go to Cuba to sing Abajo Fidel. Right. You understand what I mean? We, we've got we've to actually take action there. And uh, there's so many things that obviously have accumulated through the years of a soft policy. And uh, believe me, you know... Well, you couldn't get any softer than sitting with Raul watching baseball, as Obama did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We knew that was coming. (laughs) Let me tell you that, uh, you know, I have never seen uh, the United States in the world. It's it's needed. If if we're going to have freedom, if we're going to have trade, if we're going to better the lives of other countries so that we can negotiate and have a fluent relationship and uh, that will benefit both nations. I mean, this has got to be a, a policy of uh, a exchanging benefits equally. Uh, not like China, like I was going to say, going back, I've got to, uh, when Nixon came in and uh, he appointed, I was very close to Bill Kramer, who was a, at the time was a congressman in Pinellas County, and was the uh, legal counsel of the National Republican National Committee, and was an attorney for Nixon, very close. When uh, Kissinger comes in and takes over our foreign policy, uh, obviously one of the things that they, they made uh, an issue of was to open up with China and bring uh, all sorts of benefits to China. Obviously, Now, do you think the metamorphosis for opening up to China was what many believe as a way to create uh, a, uh, a separation between Mao and Stalin, or was it just economical benefits to the United States and China? No, no, it was, it was basically <clears throat> a policy to separate... Uh, China from Russia. Okay, so you agree with me. You know, Russia was trying to bring China under... Under its wing. And and Mao was an admired Stalin. Yeah. And then, obviously, they they wanted to... (coughs) Nixon, uh, Kennedy, I mean, Kissinger, 
and thought it would be a good idea if you, we would give uh, China uh, all sorts of opportunities. I remember that the first thing that uh, how that whole uh, policy uh, opening with China started, uh, Bill Kramer was appointed. I was I had offices with him in the L'Enfant Plaza in Washington, D.C. And uh, uh, President Nixon uh, appointed uh, Bill Kramer to head, I would say, the most uh, dynamic, uh, rich, uh, powerful uh, mission, commercial mission, to go to China. And... Uh, was he, was he not, do you feel the United States was ready for such a, an endeavor? Well, I didn't agree with the principle of making China rich, you know. I mean, Boy, are they. Yeah, yeah. All of so those, where were you working then? Yeah. Were you working in Washington then? Yeah, I was working in Washington. Okay. I, I had uh, clients that are represented in Washington. Okay. You were practicing law here already no, or no? I, I never practiced law here. In the United States? Uh, no, I, I didn't revalidate my... I got involved in so many other things that I was making money. I, I couldn't, uh, you know, handle going to... Uh, going but to anyways, law. I don't regret it. You know, life is what it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I continue... Hey, you make the decision I, based on the information you know at the time. At the time, you know. But anyways, uh, we would uh, have uh, the president of the Westinghouse, of General Electric, uh, mm-hmm. of... Notre Page, uh, all of those companies would come in and uh, for each representative to be part of the mission, mm-hmm. they would have to come up with $30,000. And we had, uh, well, I didn't have I didn't I mean, for, for the mission itself or for lines of credit or no, for no, what? No, no, no. You would, to join the mission, to travel. So 30,000 ticket just to have an opinion. Yes, yes to go to uh, have the opportunity to meet with Chinese officials okay. under, you know, this particular uh, trade mission. And, uh, well, it was very, very, and they, we would talk and, uh, you know, uh, General Electric would uh, mention, you know, that they don't have a power of, uh, you know, generators mm-hmm. and this and that. And they, they were going to sell billions of dollars. You know, the export bank, uh, uh, the import export Exim bank. Exim bank, yeah. bank was open to give China okay. all the billions that they needed to get the infrastructure running. And, uh, and, and what did we get? No, no. Peace? Well, well we were supposed to... F- finance all of that and obviously get involved in China. Well, also, we also have to say perhaps what we were getting was Taiwan, peace in Taiwan. Yeah, well, no, it had nothing to do with Nothing? No. Because the Kainchan-Czech people were there. Yeah, yeah, but uh, what what the U.S. wanted fundamentally is to put a footprint in China with our technology so that we could generate trade with China. And now it blew up in our face because they stole it all. Well, no, you know what? They they all came back. There were no contracts. You know, I remember uh, the Western House, uh, they they had already identified turbines. I don't know how many billions of dollars in Mm -hmm. turbines for water reservoirs and all of that that was going to, to, how do you call it, uh, uh, be built and financed by Export-Import Bank. 
they came back with empty hands. The Chinese developed a, a trade agreement where they were then authorized to come to the United States to learn about our technology. Mm. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying, came, to copy our stuff and leave. Yeah, they all came with cameras. And you would find Chinese Unbelievable. all over in every industry of the United States taking pictures of our... I still see that today at the Ace Hardware conventions. They're in duffel bags, and the duffel bags have a trigger in their yeah. thumb, and there's a lens on the on the top of the duffel bag, and they're just carrying it going... And I'm looking at them like, no, then don't built. you guys see what they're doing? Yeah. And sure enough, all our tools are made in China. Yeah, that's, Plain that's and simple. What, that's what, right. So why do you feel that Taiwan had no factor in this, well, knowing that all of... Uh, uh, the Taiwan issue uh, came about later. It, it wasn't contemplated. Well, so what year was this, the early 70s? 70? Well, it was right after Nixon took over when uh, he became 68, president. But there, must have, but there must have been something more ironclad if China uh, didn't take back Taiwan, because you said it had no economic value? No, well, uh, first of all... Because our allies were there. Where? Well, Taiwan has been an ally. All this time. All of this time. So what kept... So why do you say that uh, Taiwan had no no relationship in this? No, because uh, this particular... Trade mission era, had nothing to do with... Tra- the, no, Taiwan was... Don't touch it. relations with us. Right, so don't touch it, Mao. Uh, if you go in there, we go after right, you. This. And uh, I presume, I presume that uh, developing this uh, trade relation with China would neutralize Chinese uh, people, the, the government, the communist government of China, to continue their pursuit of uh, regaining Taiwan. That would neutralize that because... China would engage in developing their infrastructure and developing and uh, making China uh, rich, which they had. Uh, the only thing is that the Chinese is a very uh, has a very different culture uh, to ours. <laughs> That's very, an understatement. Yeah, very different culture. Seven, seven tribes of China, my yeah, God. That's right. And the, how many languages is like a uh, hundred different versions of Chinese? Yeah. And Mandarin being just one of them, Cantonese being another, and then there's a bunch of others that they don't even understand each other. (laughs) So what happens is that uh, uh, China uh, has never relinquished the idea of taking over uh, Taiwan. Well, I think that's more of a nationalistic pride to keep... Oh, and the fact that it is an example of a difference between one political system to the other. Absolutely. Well, you can see Hong Kong is an example of that. That's right. They're now pushing uh, to take over Hong Kong. That's yeah. right. You see, so, you know, that's... Uh, uh, the fact is that uh, uh, the policy uh, at the time, I was going to say, they were all going, coming in and going, and Bill Kramer, you know, we had a very, very strong relationship a friendly relation, business-related. Uh, Did he ever admit to what went wrong? Or No, no, no. He, well, uh, The Chinese were dishonest. Nothing <laughs> was wrong because they thought that this would uh, create the wedge between Russia and China. Yeah, and, and that, that worked. And that worked. Yes. Yeah, at the time. Right. Okay. Uh, 
they will come back anytime. Right. Anytime that they're coming back them, now, but it worked back. for that. Yeah, yes. That's right. They will come back now. What I wanted to say is that I, they, at the time, the bill would say, Raymond, come in and enjoy. You, you don't have to pay the, the, the due, you know, the fees for traveling. Come with us. I said, no, no, you know, re really, I don't want to get involved. I don't believe in this particular... Yeah, that would be quite ironic that you fought communism in Cuba, now you're... <laughs> going to China to do business <laughs> with, with communists? You know, I said, no, no. Yeah, don't, don't I'm sorry. Don't, I'm sorry. I'm not interested in that, you know. Uh, I don't care. You know, money, you know, I can make money in other ways. I don't have to go to China. I don't have to deal with China at all. Uh, and that's how I stood at the time. Uh, well, Bill... Obviously, was uh, following uh, President uh, Nixon's policy, and he was his attorney, and uh, so uh, he had other reasons to to. Yeah, there's other loyalties there. Yes, uh, Bill at the time was uh, going to run for the Senate, and he lost that to Childs. Oh my God! How about that? Yeah, he lost that race here. He would have been. Walking long. He would have been, if he would have been elected senator, then he would have been a, called in to serve as vice president later on. But he lost with Childs. He lost the state of Florida. So elections do matter. Yeah, yeah. Now, why do you think the Nixon? I think. Bec uh, why did Nixon? Uh, uh, basically, recreate his deposing uh, 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 Castro. It was just too late. It's it's all. It was over. No, well, let me tell you. <clears throat> because he obviously the relationship stayed because of the Watergate and all that. Yeah. So obviously his relationship with Bay of Pigs veterans and stuff. Nixon gets elected, and uh, he's very friendly to Cubans. I was I brought Nixon to Miami uh, to the. Uh, how do you call it, uh, auditorium here. Dade County Auditorium. Dade County Auditorium. And I... Or the Jack and Gleason Theater. Probably... Uh, no, no, it was... Uh, Dade County. In Flagler. Yeah, where Reagan went. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember the advance team, they were uh, saying... I, I was... Ah, by the way, at in that election, I ran for the state legislature against a fellow by the name of Harold Featherstone. He was an old-timer, you know, he was born here in Dade County, a judge at the time. And I was the only <laughs> Republican, you know, running for a state uh, position mm -hmm. at the time. By the way, I drew 80,000 votes, and he beat me for 125,000 votes. So I, I did Yeah, you did all right. Pretty good. All that right. means the Cubans were loyal to you. Yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> I don't know. Were there 80,000 Cuban voters back then? Voted. I didn't even know where the votes were coming from. Right, right. But it turned out to be I did all right. And the districts were smaller back then, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, but this was countywide. This, these, uh, at the time, uh, when you would run for... State representative. State, yeah, you would run the countywide. And, uh, well, I did all right, you know. And then I helped, at that time, elect Ed Gurney who was our senator. We got the first Republican senator after Reconstruction. We got him elected. 
and I that's why I ran to see if I could get the Spanish-speaking vote to vote Republican mm -hmm. because Molina was running and he was, you know, so that was a good uh, good effort there at the time, and we, we got him elected, Ed Gurney. That was our first Republican. Yeah, Ed Gurney, uh, there was negotiations because Smathers was He's, a senator. Uh, Quite a quite an influence here in Key Biscayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend of Rebozo's, friend of Nixon's. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they they pushed Smathers out. He resigned. I I, I never knew exactly what was the reason uh, that uh, they were they had that they presented to him, and he resigned and uh, gave uh, uh, through the opportunity for Ed Gurney to become the Florida Republican Senate. Uh, I met, uh, I used to live there in Marasul. I lived there in Marasul. Yeah, what years? For 20 years I lived there. Wow. Yeah. So you remember the early incorporation here? Oh, see, of course. So, that's, so you knew how... how... My, my, my daughters, my daughters are your age. And I don't know them or I do yeah, know? Yeah, well, Ana Maria de la Fe. I know what De La Fe. De La Fe married to Ernesto De La Fe. Okay, an attorney. Uh, no, he was uh, he was huh? with uh, he's a banker. Uh, with uh, and they they raise their children here yeah, or yeah yeah yeah. Oh. And, uh, so they've been in they they they've been in our store for sure. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. Well, now we have something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So and, now uh, so now you now we're escal or now we're accelerating to since Nixon. What role did you play in Ford, Reagan, Bush? Accelerates in Bush. In Bush uh, in, I mean, in, in Bush and Reagan's campaign. Because that now it starts getting hot again. Yeah, and and Reagan's campaign. Because there you've got to now meet my father. I imagine you you meet my father right around. No, well, I had met him. I've known him here for we were during the Republican Party. Yeah, but did you meet him during the Reagan campaign, or did you meet him during the Nixon, or? I, I it was during the Nixon campaign. Because I I can only connect the dots as his son based on the pictures I saw. Yeah. As I can tell by what he how my father looks, so I can yeah. estimate the age. You look Third, like him. By I the look way. a little bit like yeah, him. Yeah. yeah you look right um. So I try to figure out. So you, uh, I know that my father was really uh, more involved than I've ever seen him as a son for Reagan. Um, yeah. Of course, he might have been more involved during Ford and Nixon, but well, I wouldn't have known. In Reagan's uh, campaign, I was part of the financial committee. Okay. That was headed by Bill. Uh, Bill uh, uh, Casey. Okay. Bill CIA? Casey. Oh, he became the CIA head. Yeah. Very bright guy. Yeah, Bill Casey. I had met Bill Casey because I, uh, being a veteran of the Bay of Pigs invasion, mm -hmm. uh, I had met Somoza in, uh, in the port when we mm -hmm. uh, were staging there to invade. Mm -hmm. And, well, history goes that uh, then I went back to Nicaragua and uh, when uh, the earthquake, I was in Brazil working mm -hmm. for a company, uh, Peterson uh, Enterprise, and doing some financing work there in, uh, in, in uh, how do you call it, Sao Paulo. 
and uh, doing very good businesses there. And, and then the earthquake comes. Peterson calls me, Raymond, you know Somoza? Yes, okay. Uh, get a plane right now and go to Manaba. We want to build all of the houses that's been destroyed. <laughs> Pretty bold. What happened? Yeah, well, there was a, and he tells me the story anyway. The fact is that I tried to get a plane. I couldn't fly to Managua, so we had to fly to uh, Panama, Panama to Managua. With I had to hire a plane, private plane, to put me in uh, in the uh, Brasilis airport, and I show up to General Somoza's house. He said, what the hell are you doing here, Raymond? I said, I come here to work with you. Uh, I've been instructed to come down and help you rebuild Managua. My company is da 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 uh, And Peterson was a, a construction firm well, or an infrastructure? Peterson was um, a bank. It was a subsidiary of, uh, of a company that was like uh, $5 billion dollars. Uh, it was a, a environmental company, very strong, and they they had all kinds of uh, you know payment and performance bond capabilities, and that's what I was doing. I was uh, selling performance bonds to companies in Brazil at the time, uh, you know, companies that uh, could take jobs, but uh, they had uh, already yeah. You have to bond out in case you yeah, don't. And then, you know, I would, you're going to win a bid. You have to bond. That's right. So then I would give them the bond, and I would take part of the deal, and so that kind of stuff. But anyways, I show up there, and someone said, well, well, I welcome you, Ketrilotro. Well, you can sleep in that uh, tent there. <laughs> the guy, <laughs> he was, so anyway, I got the pictures here. Anyway, uh, so I get a hold, and then I started a development company there I, in uh, Nicaragua. I built a a concrete plant and a rock crushing plant because they didn't have it. And the construction loans that were coming out of the uh, World Bank and the International, the Inter-American Bank, it required certain specifications of rock mm -hmm. sizes and all of that, and they couldn't develop. So I put together a rock crushing operation there and concrete and I ended up building like 20,000 units there. Wow. In, in, in and, th and this was what years? Well, this was 72. Yeah, 71 huh? was the earthquake, 72. Yeah, yeah, 72. So you were there for 72, to, I imagine? Until 79. Wow. I played a very uh, active role because uh, uh, all of a sudden Carter starts dismantling the child Iran. Unbelievable. And then there you go, folks. Another Democrat coming to power, ruining well, things for the whole know, world. Democrats are the... Nobody talks about Carter yeah. uh, dismantling the, the... Clipping, yeah, clipping yeah, the wings of the Shah. All the problems that we have, have today. Absolutely. caused by Carter. Iran is and, in the position it is today because of Jimmy Carter. Well, and then I have, all of a sudden, they, they, they start a program to dismantle Somoza. Yep. And uh, so you're you're catching wind of that, and that's where you meet the CIA. Well, 
Let me tell you what I did. With Not meet the CIA. See him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, let me tell you what happened. At the time, I was working against the CIA. Really? Oh, yeah, because they had a guy, a Mexican guy, head of CIA in Latin America, Nestor Sanchez. And Nestor Sanchez was a Mexican, American, heading the CIA for Latin America. He's the one that put the Sandinistas into Nicaragua. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And then uh, what happened was... Another eureka moment for Blink Radio. Yeah. I uh, go in, and uh, I had had friends in Washington. And all of a sudden, one day, uh, I get a call from Bill Young. He now passed away. He was a congressman from uh, Pinellas County. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he knew I was in Nicaragua. And he called me up and he said, Raymond, uh, listen to this. There's going to be a hearing here in the in the committee uh, of Appropriations Committee. I'm a minority member. But uh, they are bringing a case about a massacre in Nicaragua that took place in Catata. I said, what the place? Well, okay, fine. Uh, do you want to come in and uh, say something about that massacre by the Nicaraguan uh, army? I said, I'll call you back. <clears throat> so I went, checked with the, the government there, and uh, the town, the village, were there claiming that this uh, was a massacre? Didn't didn't happen? Didn't, didn't even exist. Didn't even exist. No, no. There, so there is a fir- that's the origin of fake news. No, <laughs> absolutely. No, no. That's the way that they, they destabilize a country, and they create the basis for fake news. Wow. And then the uh, the news media starts writing articles in in a. a, a perspective of a person like Somoza. As an evil person. As an evil person. And then they go ahead and that's the way it starts. That's that famous story. reminds me of the Dave Remington story of interviewing Fidel up in, in La Sierra. In La Sierra. Uh, well, that was the New York Times. It yes. Uber Matthews was the guy who did that. Yeah. Um, and the Dave Remington was the New York Times photographer, right? Mm-hmm. And how come he could? How can he can he could reach Castro and interview him, but Batista couldn't? Yeah. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. What's going on? So yeah, so it's propaganda. Yeah, propaganda. professional propaganda. So I showed up. Well, wait a minute, but let me ask you because you made a statement there. You said that the guy who was the head of Latin America at the CIA was a Mexican American, and I think no, wait, Mexi- he didn't say Mexican American. He said Mexican. Well, okay, but I'm, well, he had to be a Mexican American yeah. to be CIA. But so my my sense, and I, I lived in Texas for a while, the Mexicans are much more sympathetic to the socialist approach in Mexico and in America. They're very different from the Cubans and Central Americans. And for example, this year, President uh, Trump gave a State of the Union address where he criticized Venezuela and all the problems there. He supported the. Response in Spanish was given by the Attorney General of California, Javier Becerra, oh. a Mexican American who did not mention Venezuela. Yeah, of course. They're, so they don't care about that. And let me tell you what happened was uh, during the Carter administration, this guy, 
uh, Nestor Sanchez uh, was dealing was uh, with uh, guys like Max Lesnick. Oh, my God. He's still around. Yeah, Bernardo Venice. Venice, too. And all of those agents of Castro here in Miami. Absolutely. Okay. To this day. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Ben Venice has passed away, or is he? Yeah, he passed away recently, you know. But anyway, Bernardo Venice, you know, he, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, that, oh, that, uh, that could be another half an hour. Uh, another <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> we won't go there. So well, somehow tie that to. Yeah, what about your campaign now? When did you decide to, to launch your campaign? Well, and let me tell you, I right now I don't need a job, you know. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need a job. You know, I the only thing that I think it's important that we take back this District 27 from Chalala. And uh, in order to do that, we can't let Maria Elvira Salazar win the primary. Win the primary. Uh, I think that I can challenge Salala and I can beat her uh, because I want to make this campaign a a challenge for the conservative movement. Uh, Chalala obviously represents the the Clinton Foundation and yeah. everything. Socialist. Socialism. Yeah. yeah, but where where how would you uh, how would you go right at her? Cuz uh uh she really hasn't done anything as a congressman, so congresswoman, what would you be your 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 first party your first shot at her. Well, first of all, I gotta beat uh, Maria Vida Salazar. <clears throat> I was very instrumental in uh, avoiding her in uh, the first try she did she had for Congress. Uh, I have strong reasons, and I expose this and about her uh, qualifications. She's never been a Republican. Uh, she's. Uh, she was a registered uh, independent all this time. Yeah, she's not a conservative. She's not a conservative right. at all, at all. And uh, well, there's other things that uh, uh, she obviously is part of the fake media. Wow! Uh, Give us some only, examples. She works for Univision for many years. She's never been a pro-Trump. She's been anti-Trump. That could have been what cost her the first time. Yes. And uh, she is uh, a tool of uh, Lincoln Diaz-Balad and Ileana Ross. You know, I I was the one who supported both when they started running for Congress, but uh, Lincoln Diaz was a liberal Democrat, and then he changed parties because obviously we had created a base of Republican votes in the community, so he took his uh, Democratic, uh, you know, suit off and put on the Republican suit. And that was one year. Uh, what year was that for the audience to know? Well, right now, to tell you the truth, I those years could have been uh, 60, 68, I don't know. Yeah, so but, he know, Mar- he- Mario Diaz-Balart is a Republican congressman, but he's a very liberal Republican today. No, no, Mario Diaz-Balart follows... Oh, okay. ...follows... Lincoln, Lincoln his okay. oldest brother. They all are Democrats. Right. Mario Diaz-Balart, Lincoln Diaz-Balart, Jose Diaz-Balart, right. they're all Democrats. 
Right. They in their, you're, are you saying that in their core or in their core? In their yeah. core, yeah. They, they, they're, they're rhinos. running as Republicans. Right. But they had never been. They never supported conservative issues. Right. They've been voting liberals. Is like uh, Ileana Ross. Ileana Ross was a Republican, but if you take her record, yeah, she's a progressive Republican, absolutely. And Carlos Corbello, very progressive. Yeah, very progressive. And Carlos Corbello also. Corbello, no, Corbello is a lost cause. Yeah. Corbello is. uh, This is why. Let me tell you, the Cuban grassroots voters uh, delivered six hundred thousand votes for President Trump in mm-hmm. this past election. And Trump gets elected by winning the popular vote in the state of Florida because of the Cuban vote. Absolutely. Okay? And he and he's recognized that. And he recognized Even though we lost State County. That's right. So what happens is that our representatives in Washington are against Trump. Right. So we are not represented properly in our you know, ideological, uh, you know, aspirations. Uh, the Cuban community is a conservative community. Uh, our Cuban community is, you can't uh, put it, uh, compare it to any other Latin American community. No, absolutely. We're different. And we're only 4%. <laughs> and we're, yes, correct. And we're different. We're very small, but we're very conservative, very anti-communist. That's right. And We've uh, gone through experiences that no other community has gone through. And very successful in the United States. That's right. That's right. Uh, so what happens is that uh, we have a, a basis of support in that uh, district. For example, the, the district is composed of 72% uh, uh, Hispanic, uh, 5% African American. 20% white American. And, uh, you know. This is the district only. This is the district. 26. Chalala doesn't speak Spanish. So she's not representing the Hispanics in that district. She doesn't identify with the Cuban Americans. Absolutely. Yeah, but not. For example, she got endorsements from Cuban Americans like Valdez Fowley, the mayor of Coral Gables. Well, let me tell you, you know, you have. And you have uh, Judas in every group. Okay. <laughs> so so Valdez Fali is, the, is I, a Judas. <laughs> yes. I, I can answer that. You know, we're always going to have some, well, for example, you have uh, uh, this uh, singer, tu sabes. Uh, Estefan, Gloria Estefan. Yeah, another one. The other guy. They gave $20,000 to to, to, to and the Obama. ability to raise money yeah, in, in parties. So, so we have to mobilize. I have to be able to lead a movement that is inspired on principles and get those principles installed in the uh, District 27. Uh, I don't see that any of the Hispanics that live in that district have benefited with anything that Chalala has done for them. Uh, Chalala represents the Democrats. Democrats, if you're going to take a look at their policies that they're, you know, promoting, 
it's not going to benefit none of the Latin Americans that live in that district. Well, let me me make one point. I think that in 2018, a lot of Republicans were kind of wary about what was going to happen to Trump. They thought that he was going to get impeached, that he was going to resign. How can people believe that? Wrongly so, yeah, but they thought that. So I think that in 2018, the Republicans were on the defensive. But ever since... So that the, whole Mueller report... It was all baloney. Yes. It was all baloney. So I think that 2020 is a time for... And Republicans are you know, getting mad and saying, there was no basis for that. Let's get back at it. It was a, I think, worse than a basis. There was the, a soft one coup. One of the articles I have here from the New York Times today is that since the election, party identification has swung to the Republicans. Because more people, especially swing voters, are realizing that the Democrats were lying for two years right. about Russia collusion. So I think next year should be a good year for uh, Republicans to bounce back. Trump is going to run a very aggressive campaign. I think he's going to win. And I think that's the right time to be a, con- a, a candidate for Congress. He only There are 31 uh, districts, not here, that Trump won and that are represented in Congress by a Democrat. Yeah. And so... There are plenty of opportunities for Republicans. When to you go say and 31 Congress. districts, are you saying across the, districts. Uh, across the board? All over the country. Okay. Now here, because I know that Trump lost, but that doesn't mean that he can't be turned around. Right. And I think people have seen three years now of Trump policies delivering. Well, right. You see, so you example, think in in the black community, the the African American community, that uh, I think they have like. Four percent or five percent. If you look at the percentage of those that are benefited from the Trump uh, policies, that's gonna give yeah. us a, a, a black number. unemployment is at record lows. And, record lows. Uh, yeah, Latin Americans have improved, have right. benefited from them, and uh, obviously uh, the white community. And that district has benefited from their, you know, uh, uh, how do you call it, savings. Yeah, 401ks. 401ks have made them rich. Absolutely. Everybody is, uh, the rising tide lifts all boats, as Jack Kennedy used to say. That's right. So I I think that uh, what I have to do in that uh, district is be quite frank uh, with the African-American community and the Democrats. Hey, guys, you, you look what's happening in the world, what's happening. Look all of the benefits and the wealth that uh, President Trump is bringing. Do you want to participate in that, or do you want to follow a failed do you want to expand socialistic on that? Right. policy that's going to take you to hell? I mean, you know, join me. Yep. Lend me your vote for two years. Just give me a chance. Okay, now the magic question in this district and in the in the next door district: Do you live in the district? No, it doesn't matter. You don't have to live in the district, but I do live in the district. But that's I think that should issue. have been the better answer. You do live in the yeah, district. I do, okay. Yeah, but I, I wanted to give you the negative. No, man. You're not even. You don't need to live in the district. I do live in the district. Yeah, yeah. but when you say that, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like the the ghost of Joe Garcia. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Who didn't live, and he had a he had a. a, a, a well, I'm glad to hear that you're going to be uh, running in that district because I think we needed. A real conservative Republican in that district. Well, thank you. Yeah, I feel, I feel, 
that I'm, uh, I feel that uh, looking at the candidates that are showing up, right. that I can beat them all. Okay, so you got Maria Elvira, we know her. Well, and we got Juan Fiol. Juan Fiol, do you know Juan Fiol? Yeah, I know him, but, you know, uh, he's a nice guy. Uh, he's uh, pro-Trump, but, uh, you know, let's compare, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, what do you bring to the table, you understand? What right, I mean? absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, well, you have your world experiences. Yeah, you know, I go to Washington. I, I lobbied Washington for 10 years, you know. I've lived in Washington, you know. I have friends in Washington. Do you have a website or anything like that that we can no, go I'm, to? I'm oh, going to? You're setting all that up. Set, okay. Let me tell you the stage in which I'm in. I You have to register in the Federal Elections Commission. And so I did send that. I'm, uh, I'm not a candidate until I'm, uh, you know. Approved. Okay. So that should happen uh, tomorrow or day after tomorrow. And uh, then I am going to hold a press conference in the Bay of Pigs Associations, uh, the La Casa de la Brigada. Absolutely. Okay, and I'm going to invite all of my uh, fellow brother-in-arms to attend and uh, many other people. That uh, And uh, then I'm going to start, obviously, going after endorsements that I have, people, elected, official, uh, that are endorsing me, like uh, Javier Soto and uh, many others. Wonderful man. Yeah, okay, Javier Soto and uh, many others. Okay, Put here on your distribution list. Oh, yes. Okay, now, uh, now that you brought up Javier Soto. Eduardo. Eduardo Vidal, yeah. It's, and on this show, Thank it's... You. Okay. Thank you. On, the, on and this show, he's marvelous, Eduardo Victorious Vidal. You know, now wait with uh, Javier Soto. Is it true? And I'm sure I'm sure you know he might needle me next time I see him. But is it true what they say that he really was the Rambo of the Bay of Pigs? That he really had he had a lot of kills. Yeah, well, he's got a good history. Good. So you're validating that here. I think I have to say that so that when he hears, so that when he hears this, he knows that I. Give him a, because I think okay. he's a superhero. But, but what's your strategy for reaching millennials? What do you think of well, that? Well, let me tell you, I, I've got uh, I've got to approach the millennials with uh, my grandson. Okay. Uh, my grandsons are going to be active, and, and they're you know they're very very enthusiastic about it. Uh, Good. We have uh, obviously. We got to look at the issues that affect millennials. Mm-hmm. One of the issues that are affecting millennials uh, that we got to, you know, do whatever we have to do is the influence uh, of the um, socialistic, uh, uh, you know, doctrines that are. Doctrines. Well, it's what they learn at school. There's no alternative. That's it's right. interesting because a month ago, two months ago, we had. The guy who wrote this book, a new history, American history book, which is kind of a from an American conservative point of view, he called in for two hours. Willie, uh, Wilfred McClay just came out. And before that, the only textbook survey of American history was written in 1980 by a guy named Howard Zinn, A People's History of the United States. Total Marxist propaganda. It just... So you need things like this to yeah. counter that propaganda in well, school. Yes, of course. <clears throat> I, let me tell you, there's so many things. Uh, one of the things I, I can't understand 
I can't understand uh, that is happening is that uh, Muslims are running for office and are soaring loyalty to the Koran. Well, we had a, a Muslim president for eight years. Yes, okay. Yeah, the Koran is totally inconsistent with the Declaration of Independence. Exactly. Absolutely. Without a constitution. Yes. You see, I mean, you're either an American and right, you're or you're not. Yeah, I agree. You know. And yeah, and, I in agree. other words, there's no gray area. That has to be legislated. Right. Because that has to be prevented. Right. The the greatness of our country is our culture, our origin. Yeah. Yeah, but how are you going to overcome the freedom of uh, religion? No, that's not a religion. It's not a religion. So it's you have international a, political ideology. It's like saying communism is a religion. Okay, yeah. so you're going to take. You're going to take. Are, are you saying here, right here and now, that you're going to take that as a campaign pledge? Well, I, well, I'm not going to campaign on it, but I'm going to act on it if I get elected. If okay. I get elected, that's one of the issues I want to make. I mean, that's what these interviews are for, is for you to go on the record as what you're going to do so that it can be repeated. That's right. Uh, so you can make a legal claim that uh, the Muslim faith is the faith, but Sharia is a political agenda, therefore— Yeah, absolutely. Sharia is a legal system. Yes, absolutely. Con- inconsistent with the Constitution. That I don't debate. So how would you approach that? Because what you need is legal cases to go— up to the court and eventually well, get hurt. First of all, because there's a lot to, of people who believe and agree with you. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, what you, what I have to do is get elected, and then I can mobilize the resources to go forward with these uh, proposals that I feel are fundamental, uh, important to the security of our traditions, our culture, our nation. We can't allow. Look. We spend billions of dollars in going after Afghanistan, the this right. and the other and the other. We're being taken from within, buddy. Right. Absolutely. So well, we that, gotta, that's what Lincoln said, that America would not fall from foreign invasion, but from within. From within. Well, right. look, um, you, you we, only need to gotta, look you only need to look at, at um, Congressman Omar's district that was yeah. created by Obama, seventy-five thousand Somalis and North Africans. You should come to this on Friday, September twentieth. There's a lunch meeting in Brew's Room, which is on Bird Road. It's a sports bar uh, on Bird Road uh, between the Palmetto and Galloway Avenue. Okay, here it is. Um, B R U apostrophe S. Okay, this is Friday. And what's the name of the event? On Bird Road. Citizens it, Assembled. It's a, like a new action committee or what? No, it's a new... Remember, you're on the radio, so the audience Citizens is... Citizens Assembled to Exercise Our Constitutional Rights, which are actually not constitutional rights. They're civil rights that are protected by the Constitution. Yeah. They don't okay. come from And this the group is organizing at Brew's Room at what time? 1230, Friday, September 20th, Brew's Room, a sports bar and grill on Bird Road between, um, what's the name of that, Palmetto Expressway and Galloway and they Avenue. And they aim to support candidacies or they aim yes, to... Yes, they aim to oppose uh, jihad in America. Uh, oh, there you go. Now you're giving us uh, specifics here on the concrete conservative. Palmetto and? Palmetto and Galloway Avenue. Galloway Avenue. Yeah. No, it, it, Galloway is Avenue or Road? Galloway Avenue. Road. It's uh, like 87th uh, Avenue. Yeah, Galloway. it's Galloway. 87th yeah. Avenue. So Palmetto, 
between Palmetto and 87. I don't know the exact number. Brews Room, B-R-U-S. It's a uh, sports bar and grill. Okay, so now tell us more about this group since you've been hiding it in your back pocket. That's right. I'm hiding it in my back pocket. So you are... It's an informal group that meets on a monthly basis to discuss these uh, issues of Islam. Well, that's, I'll be there. Okay. I'll be there, absolutely. So these are things that uh, worry me. Yeah, absolutely. These are uh, things that I believe uh, have to be acted upon. And uh, I I have that and many other things because I've, I've been concerned with uh, our foreign policy in the Western Hemisphere. Well, you made that very clear today. <laughs> it's, it's been a, a chaos. It's been a chaos. And uh, I know people all over. I've traveled Latin America for 30 years. And there isn't a city or a place where I don't have a friend and uh, the right friends. Sure. So that would make you uh, right away um, in a good position to be on the Foreign Relations Committee in the oh, House. Absolutely, and... absolutely, absolutely. So basically, you can honestly say, as a result of our interview with you today here on uh, WSQF Blink Radio, you can honestly say that you're going to have a, a foreign policy platform, basically. And it's important for South Florida to have someone who knows foreign policy in the House. Well, I am going to have a foreign policy. And That's going to be your strength, you believe? Policy, yes, uh, uh, because obviously a community that uh, has 74% uh, Hispanic, you have all kinds of people from Venezuela, from all over, uh, living in that community. So uh, the Nicaraguans uh, know me very well because... Because uh, your relationship with Samosa. I fought for them. I And so did my father, by the way. And they're ignored by the Democrats. Yes, yes, and they're ignored by the Democrats. Very small. They're even smaller than Let we me are. Give you a little thing. Uh, I mentioned to you that I was in the finance committee with Bill Casey. Uh, I had known Bill because I, he was at the Export Import Bank when I went and presented uh, to borrow some money for. Uh, the development of the port of Corinto in Nicaragua. Bill had gone to school at at West Point with uh, President Somoza. So they oh, my God. So that's mm-hmm. some serious relationship there. Yeah, they, they had, so he knows how, how and why he fell. Well, uh, when uh, I joined the, the committee, uh, uh, the finance committee, which at the time I... Uh, this is for Reagan for president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I came up with a lot of money for that campaign, a lot of money. And, uh, well, anyways, he gets, Reagan gets elected, he gets appointed, the first thing he does, he calls. Raymond come up and uh, we meet uh, in Washington. He had just recently been appointed. And he says, uh, "Look, uh, what I was know. Casey's first appointment for Ray? Casey? He was CIA director for, but that was for the whole Reagan. time, or was he? Uh, wasn't he well, put he on? Died. S- he, he passed away. There was, you know, we, let me go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I thought he, he had he, he, multiple positions in the Reagan no, administration. No, no. Only had no, one. He had, he had been in the. He had been a vice president of the Export Import Bank." And then uh, Reagan gets elected, and he's run the finance committee, and uh, Reagan appoints him. 
uh, Bill Casey was uh, the original, the original uh, organizer of uh, of the CIA many years ago, right after and during the Second World War. Uh, the intelligence community was called something else, and then it was then uh, evolved. Yeah, Truman Truman turned it into the CIA. The CIA, right, and. Uh, but Bill was one of those guys that was infiltrated inside of Germany and uh, doing all kinds of, uh, you know, efforts there to against the German uh, uh, army. He was a man of action, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so when he uh, gets it, he calls me. He says, Raymond, I want you to help me with the Nicaraguan uh, situation. You know everybody there in the in the army. I had saved the army, by the way. Uh, when the Somoza leaves, and there was a chaos, the the vacuum that was created uh, when he left, uh, the army uh, obviously was threatened, and uh, the Sandinistas were going to kill all of those guys. I rented at least a, a, a Boeing and uh, put a red cross on it landed the 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 red supposedly <laughs> red, red cross red cross plane in the in the airport and uh i had all of those army officers jump on the plane and we took off and we saved about 175 of those officers high ranking guys yeah all captains colonels and everybody and that can be used later when the Senate Easter revolution was overthrown yeah well then then you know i like i say i've kept a very good relation with Sandy, with uh, how do you call it uh, Nicaraguan okay and so here's my final question you were also instrumental in getting the votes for the Helms Burton law oh yeah so that's your closing statement you Which have. It's now being enforced. Huh? Yeah. It's now being enforced. Now being enforced. Let me tell you about that. Okay, so you got three minutes before our next show that starts at 7. Okay. Uh, we had won the case at the uh, Congress. You know, we passed the bill in Congress. And uh, so now it has to be uh, elected, uh, passed uh, in the Senate. <clears throat> like two weeks or three weeks before the vote was set for, you know, passing it at, in, the, in the Senate, we didn't have the vote. We were short of votes because Bill Clinton was against the bill. Of course. Here, folks, I must the, remind you, you vote for a Democrat. The, the, the Clintons were against the Helms-Burton bill, mm-hmm. and we didn't have the vote. John Bolton was one of the attorneys with Jim Lucier that had worked on the bill. Uh, John Bolton is the president uh, uh Trump's National Security Advisor. Advisor. National Security Advisor. I know him very well from way back. Okay. And uh, so then what happens is that uh, we got to get this damn law passed, you know. Coincidentally, because things in my life has happened, you know, I don't know why or whatever. We call that here God incidences. Yes, okay. Uh, I had had a meeting with Fidel Castro's daughter a few weeks before. 
Oh, she, she, she gives a fantastic testimony. Yeah, she described in the meeting I, I was uh, listening to her the criminal nature of her father. Uh, he, she never called her father. She used to address him as... Uh, and by the way, the, uh, so the audience knows, this is the daughter he had with Lincoln diaz Ballard's family. No, no. First, first. No, no. Esta es la hija de, de, ¿cómo se llama ahora la madre? So one of the many illegitimate children? Yeah, legitimate. Sí. No, legitimate Alina, or il illegitimate? Alina, Alina Fernandez. Okay, that's his... Daughter. Okay, Alina Fernandez, the daughter, but out of marriage or... or uh, no, I think they were married, yes. Okay, yes, so yes. I'll, I'll let the audience know, because I know that Fidel's had sí, many no, children. No. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought that uh, the the fir his first child with uh, Diaz Ballard was whom? Or he was never... He didn't have no, children with her. No, no, no. Diaz Ballard... Was his first wife. Diaz Balad was the wife of Fidel Castro, and then he has a son called Fidelito. Who was the one that they just they eliminated right now. Yeah. It just yeah. killed him recently. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Okay, I stand corrected. So she is a se his second child. Yeah. Okay. So Alina was describing, you know, how uh, the sisters and mothers and brothers and all the uh, family of, uh, of uh, victims of the revolution that were going to be executed in the firing squad would come to the house to ask for the mother, her mother, to intervene with Fidel to see if he would spare the lives mm -hmm. of, uh, of all of these uh, people that were going to be executed. And, uh, and then... Uh, one day, uh, she felt like addressing the issue with uh, Castro, and she said, uh, Comandante, uh, why do you have to kill all of these people? Why do you have to send them? Is there another way of, uh, you know, doing uh, justice with these people? And then he said, uh, look, don't... Uh, intervene in my issues because if I have to execute you with them, I will do it. And that's the way to end the end the this wonderful interview. Uh, you can't get any better than that. It's seven o'clock. This is the end of the Concrete Conservative Show. I can't thank you enough. Okay, I wish thank you, you very much. Good luck. Thank I thank wish you, you all the best. Event. Well, yeah. you'll you'll meet a lot of good people who will support you from that. Okay, okay. So, well, but there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, no, no, I know. Okay, so we're signing off for the Concrete Conservative. That was a fantastic interview with Raymond Molina, who's running for Congress. District 27. Uh, District 27 against um, Maria Elvira, and then eventually, sha-la-la-la-la. Take care, my friends, and stay free. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.